Natasha, thanks for the uh, great presentation. I just want to make one minor endorsement, if I may. Um, I'm particularly impressed being here, coming here for, what, 26 years, the tremendous effort which has been made by the Ministry and Natasha and all her colleagues on the aspect of education for seafarers. As we know, that is the Achilles tendon of the shipping industry, and I think the effort which you've made in that particular sector is absolutely remarkable. Uh, the other way is, is uh, words of caution, don't forget that with the progress which has been made in Cyprus over the last few years, there are a lot of people out there who are relatively competitive and sometimes can try to bring in some kind of negative connotation about you know, Cyprus and its backgrounds, but I think you've done a remarkable job by facing it with dignity and with enthusiasm. And uh, all I can say is uh, bravo for what uh, you and your team have all succeeded over the years. Thank you. On that note, I'd like to invite the podium to give a presentation. Um, this is Claire Evagoru, who's the director of the Deloitte, and um, she'll have a lot of interesting things to tell us as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. One small note in housekeeping. There's a countdown clock. Um, it's all in red. And uh, because I'm allergic to red, so literally sometimes I can be a bit harsh when somebody over-exceeds it. So if we can try and keep to the clock, thank you. Thank That's you. very sweet. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Good morning. Um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, as the, um, George mentioned, my name is Claire. I'm director at Deloitte within Risk Advisory. Um, good morning and thank you to the organizers for inviting me today to speak about um, Brexit. Thank you also for attending this session. So. Brexit, this is the first time I give a speech on Brexit after Brexit actually has taken place. So this will be um, quite interesting. So forgive me one second until I work out the logistics, there you go. Um, to really understand Brexit, I thought we should actually have a look at some milestones on what's been happening on, on, um, in the UK and, and in the EU. Everyone is aware of the result of the UK referendum on the 23rd of June, 2016, where the UK voted to leave the European Union. On the 29th of March, 2017, and after, two, um, after the UK triggered what is known as the Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty, I started a two-year negotiation process with a view to leave the, the European Union on the 29th of March, 2019. In November, 2018, the European Union and the UK agreed a draft withdrawal agreement at an EU summit that had to be approved by the UK members of parliament. After two years of postponement and discussion, the withdrawal agreement was finally enacted through the UK parliament a few weeks ago following the December 2019 elections in the UK. On 31st of January 2020, the UK officially left the European Union and we are now in a transitional period that is due to last till the end of the year. With nine months to go till the end of the transitional period, there's currently no clarity and a lot of uncertainty. So what is currently the status in the UK and what is the expected impact on maritime companies? Well, first of all, I think by way of refresher, we should really have a look at what are the possible scenarios for the UK. So in reality, there were six possible scenarios of the relationship between the EU and the UK. 
after two years of negotiations, we're actually currently at the last one, what is known as the World Trade Organization scenario. Okay, this is also known as hard Brexit. The next round of negotiations between the UK and the European Union is expected to start in a few weeks. And there are a number of examples of countries that have a relationship with the European Union, third countries, and depending on whether the relationship of the European Union with the UK will be a wide-range association or just a free trade program, examples include Ukraine, Japan, Singapore, and Canada. So, Hard Brexit basically means no deal Brexit. And it means the UK leaving not only the customs union, but also what is known as the single market. But what does it mean for maritime companies? First of all, and I've listed them though um, on the slides there, and hopefully you can, you can read them. There's a number of macro implications for, for um, shipping companies and just generally um, the economy. There is restricted movement, giving up uh, movement of goods, services, capital and labor, lack of uniformity, any services coming out of the United Kingdom will no longer be considered to be provided by agencies of the European Union. The UK will have full control over its borders, which is what it wanted, but we'll talk in a bit about what challenges that creates. Trade, as discussed, will have to be um, conducted under the trade organization rules and new trade agreements will have to be renegotiated. And the UK will have to implement its own rules and regulations across a very broad spectrum of subjects. This will take a lot of time. There are also, however, micro-level implications for shipping companies, and I'd like to explore some of these in a bit more detail. Community ships. Um, as you know, for a ship to be considered an EU community ship, it has to meet certain criteria. UK-owned and controlled ships may no longer meet these conditions, and this could create issues because they will no longer be considered community ships. On the level of Cyprus tonnage tax system, UK flag and Gibraltar flag vessels will no longer be considered community ships. As a result, this will affect all owners of foreign ships, charters, ship, ship managements. The failure of registration conditions obviously means they, these ships can no longer benefit from the um, uh, annual tonnage tax. For Cyprus, I've read a publication on this and hopefully the numbers I'm quoting are accurate. Um, it is estimated that the decrease in community vessels as a result of the registration or failure of registration conditions is estimated at 1.5% of net tonnage and 3.3% in number of vessels. In the UK, the government has indicated that the UK tax tonnage system that was introduced in 2000 will remain in place unchanged. If we now look at logistics, as I mentioned before, the UK leaving the European Union means no longer having access to the customs union. This would mean lengthy processes, authorizations, notifications, requirement of import and export licenses, and the excise movement and customs system will no longer be applicable. I've read another survey which says that the custom checks outside the EU custom unions expected to reduce dramatically the capacity at Calais Dover, which is already quite stretched at the time being. 
um, border control times are expected to add at least two extra minutes of check-in time. In regards to submission of pre-arrival security notifications, under the EU treaties, EU countries are only allowed to issue exemptions for services between intra-union um, jurisdictions. In a no-deal scenario, EU countries will not be allowed to issue any such exemptions for sh scheduled services outside the, um, coming sorry, from the UK. This is irrespective of registration of, or flag. So if any UK operating company holding these exemptions, regardless of where ships are actually registered, should prepare for a scenario where it will require to submit um, security notifications before arrival so they can be allowed to actually enter ports of EU country. One of the most important areas that will be affected and has already started to be affected is people matters. Free movement, I've touched upon this earlier. There's currently limited clarity on what happens for people moving between the UK and the EU. However, restrictions are expected. Importantly, these restrictions on freedom of movement may have an impact on transportation companies. Example includes cruise lines, which could decide to remove the UK from their operations if new immigration laws are brought in, which makes it timely and costly for them to operate. On the employment front, EU citizens currently living and working in the UK will be grandfathered and will be allowed to continue to work in the UK post-Brexit, but the UK would have to negotiate appropriate arrangements for its citizens working in the European Union. Currently, a significant amount of UK employment law is based on EU rules. Um, working time directive, agency worker directives includes, um, are examples um, 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 included. EU citizens that will continue to work and live in the UK will now have to abide by domestic immigration laws. This could create a significant impact on a number of international employees that are engaged in the shipping community, both onshore and offshore. If or unless the United Kingdom decides to apply after Brexit employment laws that are very, very similar or identical to EU current rules, then maritime operators will have to have two separate agreements of employment for their employees. On the point that Natasha um, earlier touched upon, the seafarer certification, um, there are challenges there too. It's been estimated that there's about 4,000 UK seafarers are currently in an uncertain position on what steps they need to take in order to revalidate their certificates. The UK has stated that in the event of a no-deal Brexit, the UK will continue to recognize EU certifications for seafarers, and it will apply to the EU for a third country equivalent um, certification. However, if, the e if any EU country choose not to, recognize this EU certificate for seafarers, then such bearers of the certification would only be able to work on board vessels until that certificate expires. And there's currently no clarity over what is expected to happen. Besides employment matters, we also have challenges um, in regards to the application of legal jurisdiction and contractual matters in the shipping industry. 
many, many shipping contracts include trading to certain countries and jurisdictions. If these contracts were written before Brexit and there is reference to the European Union, it is unclear whether those contracts continue to include services to the United Kingdom or not. Because if the European Union is not defined, then you may have challenges in uh, um, the meaning or ambit of the contracts you have. There's also challenges in dispute resolution. The rules currently by which the United Kingdom courts determine jurisdiction over disputes is determined by EU regulation. Under EU regulation, parallel proceedings in courts of EU member states for the same dispute is not allowed. In essence, a defendant is protected from being sued twice for the same matter in EU courts of law. Now that the UK has withdrawn from the EU, it may no longer be bound by EU regulations. It means that defendants, shipping companies in dispute could be found to be sued in two jurisdictions within the European Union and the United Kingdom on the same matter. This, we expect, might create some uncertainty on um, the shipping company's exposure to different legal systems. Moving on, under the EU rules currently, any company licensed in the European Union can provide, um, has access to the single market and by virtue of that can utilize what is known as the passporting rules. Under the passporting rules, any, any company can offer its services um, without additional licensing across the European Union. A very good example of that is insurance companies. Insurance companies can write business across the European Union. So for example, you ha can have a German insurer who can write business in the UK and vice versa, as you know, um, UK or London underwriters can write shipping risk in Germany and so on. The UK will no longer have access to the single market and by virtue of that, it will no longer have access to the passporting rules. So unless alternative measures are introduced, it may restrict the ability of UK insurers to write business in the EU, but at the same time, it may restrict users of these insurance contracts to actually shop around and find the best deal for them. Now, the inability of the UK companies to exercise their um, passporting rights, we anticipate may create opportunities for the shipping industry in Cyprus and Greece. A quantitative impact study performed by the Greek Maritime Chambers has estimated that there's an approximately 45 billion of euros worth of revenue that flows through London as a result of the shipping's insurance sector. In Nor Norway and Germany have already uh, um, formed an alliance on this, because Norway is not in the European Union and Germany is in the European Union, which has already come to fruition on, on using passporting rules. As you may already be aware, there's also examples of shipping companies relocating their head offices within um, the European Union and also Cyprus and Greece in particular in order to take advantage of these um, um, uh, incentives and the passporting rules. So it's not all doom as a result of Brexit. You know, I, I do genuinely believe that you know, Cyprus and Greece have an advantage on this that they could benefit from. On a macro level, there are also challenges on trade agreements and the future relationships within the shipping industry. 
We spoke about the UK no longer have access to the trade uh, arrangements of the European Union, which includes transportation. We talked about exporting of UK goods actually requiring more time and effort and administrative burden. The UK's negotiation on its own individual trade treaties is currently uncertain and will take a very long time. And although it's working, we also have issues on the UK's participation in intergovernmental maritime regulation programs um, with the European Maritime Safety Agency. So the UK will continue to be part of um, some of EMSA's programs, but not all in relation to which EMSA has exclusive ownership, such as CLE CNET and SAFE CNET. The UK would possibly have the option to establish its own agencies, although the UK Chamber of Shipping has um, announced in a position paper that it will continue to remain a European Community Ship Owners Association member. So we talked about um, risks and challenges, and I guess the question is how do we plan ahead? By way of reminder, Brexit deal has become uh, a law in the UK on the 23rd of January 2020. On the 31st of January, the UK has officially ceased to being part of the European Union. The UK is now in a transition period and is currently not ready and has significant issues to uh, um, uh, resolve bef before it can actually uh, move on. In, by way of uh, reminder, we also spoke about risks and opportunities, risks in relation to freedom of movement of workers, increasing bureaucracy, deregistration of community ships, higher logistic costs, but we also spoke about opportunities for Cyprus and Greece taking advantage business out of the United Kingdom. So our last thoughts are how best to prepare Our suggestion is to first understand your, the extent of your exposure, but at the same time, the extent of your potential opportunities as a result of Brexit. You know, understand the primary impact of Brexit on the basis of the macro and micro factors we just discussed, on your business, on key exposures, and potential opportunities. You should create a strategic Brexit team, and it's important to stress this Brexit team has to be a cross-functional one. You know, it cannot just be a business development one or just a risk one. It has to be a cross-functional one if you want to make sure it's a holistic solution. Then you have to go through and conduct a thorough impact analysis. There are a number of areas that will be affecting the shipping companies, contracts, employment contracts, dispute resolutions, CFR certifications. You need to understand the impact on your business and plan accordingly um, to be able to take corrective actions. Um, I think it's important to note we are now in Brexit reality and there's only nine months left. Importantly and lastly, you must evaluate, act, and monitor on a continuous basis the events, be it UK trade agreements, Cyprus or Greek government initiatives, and adapt your plans accordingly to ensure you capture any residual risks and not miss any opportunities. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, um, before you leave the podium, I'm just wondering whether anybody have a few quick comments or questions.
Interesting presentation. Thank you very much. I just want to uh, highlight a few things about the Cyprus impact because you mentioned it in your uh, presentation. So yes, um, number one aspect is the Cyprus vessels, where it's. Um, I don't think it's four percent. I think it's lower. It's a. It's a fairly um, sort of limited number of ships. And what we have done is we have been in touch with all those uh, the ship owners of those ships and they are aware that they need to make arrangements if their flag share is affected, as you mentioned, which it may be affected or it may not be affected, as the case may be. The second important aspect that people need to be aware of is if they have a UK company that is entered into our tonnage tax system, then obviously that company is not an EU company and therefore it is not uh, able to be part of the tonnage tax system post-Brexit. We have, again, been in touch with all the clients who are in that situation and they have taken steps to actually, um, obviously, the redomicile or make sure that they're managed and controlled in Cyprus or somewhere else, um, wherever they wish within the European Union, so that they can still be part of the tonnage tax system. And then the third is the seafarers, which you mentioned. Um, if there's only 4,000 UK seafarers, then that means that most of them are working on the Cyprus <laughs> flag because we have uh, definitely more than 2,000. Um, and yeah, because they are now third country, what that means is that they simply need to get, uh, STCW needs to recognize the UK, or the EU rather needs to recognize the UK based on STCW standards as a um, compliant uh, state with STCW, and that is considered uh, something that will most definitely happen, so it's just a procedural issue. So for all seafarers that are already working on uh, Cyprus flag vessels, it makes no difference. They've already got their certificates. And for anyone else coming in, what we have done is issued a notification to the EU that we would like them to inspect and certify the UK as a, a compliant jurisdiction. And that, we think, is only going to take a matter of um, you know, time. It's just an admin issue, so we do not expect. We can still certify people as long as we have made that notification. So from an actual practical perspective, um, no, um, not too much worry in terms of the companies that are already here, hopefully. But if anyone has any concerns or queries about specific uh, cases, I'm more than happy to, um, to discuss with them. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, any other further comments or, or queries? Okay, then just on a more humorous note, I always like to bring a bit of humor into the equation, is that uh, going back up memory lane, even though it's not relevant today, I, what is relevant today is the amazing progress made in this country, which we're all very proud of. But just a small reminder is that years ago, maybe before most of you were born, uh, the, the British flag used to be a very traditional flag of convenience. I don't know whether you remember that. But it was once upon a time. But things have changed since then. Anyway, on that note, I'd like to, um, if there's anybody else who wants to mention any comment, anybody else? Okay, in that case, we'll proceed to the next uh, session, which is um, lessons learned and what's next. And here we have the, um, as a moderator, I've got Dr. John Kokorakis, who I'd like to call to the panel. Um, also the panelists, Mr. Nicholas Arriero, Ioannis Ustathiu, Lucas Barbares, Nicholas Verescos, and Anders Sohan. 
I'd just like to mention that uh, I've worked with Dr. Kokonex on many functions and, uh, and conferences, and um, sometimes we see eye to eye, and sometimes we don't, but I find you're going to find that he basically has got a very persuasive and colorful way of expressing himself. Thank you.